Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. This is your first time listening. Hey, thanks for coming. The 805 Conversations podcast is produced every other week, and show notes are found at 805connect.com. Hey, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming shows. Our show is sponsored by California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services. Thanks to them both for their support and encouragement. And thanks to our podcasting partner, Polestring Press, for this great studio. And to Patrick, my co-host. Hey, Patrick. Hey, Mark. Patrick, I'd like you to meet Sean Thompson. Sean, how are you? Great. It's good to be here. Gosh, we, we met uh, seven years ago. You came on to the TEDx stage when we were out at the Bacar in 2010. Yes, it was a great, uh, it was a great event. It was, uh, it was really enjoyable to hear all the wonderful speakers and to hear everyone's uh, perspective on life and business. It was uh, very inspiring. Well, your story was very, I mean, just we had been introduced to you. So for the, the person who doesn't know uh, you, you are world famous surf, surfer, surfing expert, uh, person around the world who now spends your life talking about how surface, I mean, it's called the, well, you call it the free ride generation, but I think about all of the things that surfing brought you in life and how you're given back. Yes, surfing uh, was obviously a wonderful experience. I started out initially because I just loved that sensation of riding on the wave and, and uh, sort of seeing the world differently. Uh, and it's interesting that uh, when I stood up on the board for the first time, I just had a different... How old were you? I was uh, about nine. <gasps> so yeah. I had a different perspective on, on the world. Sure. And it's ironic that now I'm, I just turned uh, 61. Uh, I now share my perspective to some of the biggest companies uh, in the world. Uh, and uh, I talk about this unique perspective that surfing has given me on business and life and I've had an interesting career. I was a competitive surfer for nearly 20 years. I competed on the Pro Tour. I was the youngest and oldest guy at the time to, to <laughs> win an event. Well, of course, youngest all, and oldest. And oldest. <laughs> of course, all my records now have been, have been broken by this amazing surfer called Kelly Slater, who's won the world title 11 times. Um, <clears throat> but I went, to, I went into business while I was surfing because I realized then that uh, while professional surfing was, was in its infancy, it was very difficult to make a living from surfing. So I started a number of different brands. Uh, one was Instinct, which became a very, very popular brand internationally, sponsored a number of, uh, of world champions. And then when I moved to the States here with uh, my wife, Carl, and son, uh, Matthew, in the mid-90s, we started our own brand called Solitude, which became successful, and we ultimately sold it to a publicly traded company. I've written a couple of books and produced um, an award-winning film. So I like to do a lot of different projects. Sure. I'm always uh, motivated to try something different, try something uh, challenging. Um, and and I think surfing has taught uh, taught me that you're always paddling out for that next wave. You're always optimistic and you're always challenged by what's coming around the horizon. <laughs> no, exactly, right? <laughs> Very much so. It's just a good metaphor, surfing. And I think people grip it and grasp it and and I love talking to these enormous uh, companies. I mean, I've spoken to General Motors at Cisco, Google. I've spoken with people like Richard Branson and, and Malcolm Gladwell. I love. Uh, I just love sharing tell me, my Tell me about talking with Gladwell. Well, it was interesting. I opened for this leadership conference. It was a very big conference, about 2,000 people. And I actually hadn't been uh, speaking 
to, to large groups um, that often. I'd started speaking when I was a young, a young chap in South Africa. When I was a teenager, I just felt it was my responsibility to give back. And I used to go around and talk at schools and, and universities just about commitment and focus and dedication, discipline, and, and finding a life of, of passion and purpose. So they asked me to talk at this leadership conference, and I was the first speaker up. Um, and I, I remember walked out on walked out onto the podium there, and there's like 2,000 people in the audience, and right up behind me was Malcolm Gladwell, mm. and right up behind him was Richard Branson. So mm. I'm going, I better be on my game here. <laughs> And uh, it was it was it was a cool experience. So now you know now I think the um, you know after you take that first big drop and fiddle over the edge and and go well you know what's the worst thing that can happen on uh, to you on the stage? It's not it's not that st- serious. And I, I love doing it now. I just love sharing my perspective. And I'm, I've I've been thankful enough to um, to to have my 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 talks become quite popular with a lot of organisations. And I just love doing it. How how many days on are you on the road? Well, it depends. You know, it's been I've been very busy lately. I was in 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 Cabo San Lucas uh, last weekend talking for a, a really cool group uh, of biotech uh, guys, some of the top biotech uh, companies in in the United States. I spoke at an innovation conference for Ford and Irvine a, a few days ago. I was in Australia uh, the week before last, talking to a big insurance group. I was in South Africa. Um, the week before that. So it's been very busy. Sometimes I can take the family with me, uh, sometimes not. But I really love um, just sharing a unique perspective. I love helping people. I love helping organizations. Do you Are you at risk of, of taking these business people and convincing them to throw off their ties and their, throw their briefcases away and just head for the ocean when you're in like Cabo? And a very high risk. <laughs> vicariously, vicariously, I think everyone should, if you're wearing a tie, take it off right now and yeah. just think about paddling out towards mm. that open horizon, swinging around and getting the best wave of your life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I love sharing my perspective. And also, over the years... Um, I found this little tool that I think can be so successful when used in, in organizational um, settings and used in school settings and used in university settings. Um, I read a book in 2006, shortly after I lost my beautiful son, uh, Matthew, and it was called Surface Code. It was called 12 Simple Lessons for Riding Through Life. And it was based around a card that I had written a number of years before that I'd given to a group of children that were coming down mm, to mm. the beach at Rincon because mm. Rincon was facing an environmental challenge. And a friend of mine who'd started this big environmental group called Surfrider Foundation, Glenn mm. Henning, just, just a tremendous maverick kind of thinker, had asked me to give the children a gift, which oh. would encourage them to become more environmentally aware. So I, I wrote this little card, and I called it a surface code card, and it was 12 lines, every line beginning with, I will, I'll always paddle back out, I'll realize mm. that all surfers are joined by one ocean. I'll honor the sport of kings. I will watch out for other surfers after a big set. I'll paddle around the impact zone. Just basic um, building blocks of character that surfing had taught me over the years. And I, I printed up a hundred of the cards, gave them out to these young people that came down to the beach, and it turned into <coughs> it turned into a groundswell. Yeah, who, I like who that knew, word. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, my wife and I started putting the cards in our in our clothing. We had a clothing line at the time called Solitude, and I handed out hundreds of thousands of these cards. No. It just became super wow. popular. And then out of that grew this book called Surface Code. 
And out of the book came um, these invitations from organizations to speak to their teams. Uh, so it all started from a card, and it all started from this little commitment card, I will, whatever. And now what I do is I use that tool to get people to write their own codes called writing your life code. So when I talk, at, oh. and often I talk to these big companies, I'll, ha I'll have the, the crew, the teams, write their own code, 12 lines. Oh. Every line begins with I will. Oh, you it. write it love in it. 30 minutes, and then you stand up and you represent Ooh. in front of your Ooh. peers. So you stand up, and I have had some of the biggest CEOs in the world do this. Man, they right. stand up, and they stand up with their teams, and everyone. Talk about vulnerability. Whew, everyone represents their peers. I mean, like men and women, they stand up, they cry when they, when they, when wow. they represent their code, what, what their purpose in, in life is. And when their teams hear, I'm, and I'm just getting chills talking about yeah, it. Because yeah, when yeah. I, when yeah, I yeah. hear every time I hear people do this, it's so inspiring and empowering for me. And it's inspiring and empowering for everyone oh in that gosh, group. Because right? I'm not lying. It raises the temperature in the room. It's so amazing. So I give them my perspective of my life. And then they stand up, and then they give. Their you kind of have your TED talk, and then you. <laughs> and then yeah, you, I just give a right? talk. You know, I just yeah. give a talk on my on my perspective, and there's absolutely no prescription associated with what what I say. I just give my Here perspective. It Here it is, and then I say, now nah, you guys do this exercise, write your life code, and they stand up and they write it, and then what we do, it's really cool. We um. We get every person that stands up and represents to write and pick one line, and we put that one line on a whiteboard in the room. So that line ultimately... Of the 12. Of the 12. One yeah. line that is most resonant for them at that particular time in their lives. And whatever that will be, sure, I, I will spend sure, more sure, time sure. with my children. I'll, I will finish what I start. It, it, it can be many different things. And that ultimately is representative of the corporate culture or the organizational culture uh, in that organization mm, on that particular day. Mm, because this, maybe the CEO lights the spark, mm, starts creating the culture, but it's the team that sustains it. And it's just such a brilliant uh, thing to see when you see this code being built. I did an event at El Capitan Canyon a few weeks ago for this great young Santa Barbara company called HG Data and the CEO we've, we've had him on the show yeah, Craig's just a, oh, br he's a br right? br brilliant guy well, yeah, he's yeah. such a like a guy and he's just got this amazing team and then they wrote their their uh, you know each, each guy and girl stood up and represented and and stated their life code and then we wrote it on a board and he said to me afterwards he sent me an email he said Sean this is the most important 60 lines of code our company's ever written. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the game. You know, they write, they write right, code sure. all day. Do you, do you th is, because you probably end up seeing some, some repeats like that, like spending time with my kids. Um, do you, do you think that, do you ever see the, the code that's like, uh, we'll provide more earning shares to our, to never. our, to our <laughs> we'll, we'll make more money and, and cut more corners. You never see, I'm going to be focused on profitability. Yeah. If you, it's all nobility. And I think yeah. what, what huh. it shows is that huh. inside of all of us, there's this incredible nobility of spirit and there's this amazing commonality. You know, when you look out there at the election landscape right now and you see this 
incredible polarization between Trump and Hillary Clinton, you think it's a divided nation. But when people stand up and they represent their life code, you see it's a unified nation because everyone basically says the same thing. Sure, it's different, but it's the same. And inside of all of us, we have this incredible common purpose. And I must say, I love doing it because my life, when I read that little code many years ago and handed them out to children, it took my life in a completely different direction. How's that? I mean, I had been, I'd been in the apparel business all my life. I'd been focused on profit, sales, and growth. You know, creating the company, selling it to the, sure. selling it to the publicly traded corporations. And sure, my wife and I did that. But when I realized that we all have this fundamental purpose, you know, whatever your purpose is and whatever, you know, we all have this fundamental purpose. And it's, I have found for me to go out and just try to light that little spark and get people to think and help them realize their fundamental purpose, it's an awesome awesome thing to do and when I stand up there and I say we're gonna you're gonna write 12 lines and and sure there can be cynicism about it because it can be perceived perceived as I like what's this juvenile exercise that I'm mm-hmm. gonna do mm-hmm. yeah we've been through a hundred of these yeah I've done this workshop. group building yeah, I've yeah, done this team building yeah. crap yeah. you know yeah. what right. I mean but what happens is people start and they look at that blank sheet of paper, and they know the first two words, but they don't right. know what's coming afterwards. And then they focus on those first two words, and out of everyone comes this incredible force, this energy, this will. Okay, When you write our will, it helps you release your internal will. And that is the power that we all have in our lives. It's, it's like, it's not rah-rah bullcrap. It's like amazing when you see it happen. And, and I must say, over the last couple of years that I've been doing this, I just love seeing these results. It's just brilliant. It's so, um, for me, you know, I, my wife and I, we suffered this terrible loss when, when we lost our beautiful son. He just made a bad decision. Mm. And I do the same thing with students at high schools and universities. They write their code. And it's amazing that they write even more profound. The kids. The kids write more profound stuff sometimes than what our generation, what, what adults write. Adults write because their minds are way more mm, open mm, mm-hmm, than ours. Mm. And then what some students are doing now, and this was mind-blowing, I spoke at a Christian school in Florida uh, last year or the year before. And instead of writing, just writing their codes, they created art. Oh, they illustrated. Amplify. Mm. I will live my life out loud. I will design a new life. And just all these, it was like I walked in, I started crying. They they created this whole art exhibition. So what I'm trying to do now, and this is going to be a massive project. So we're trying to activate social change across South Africa because South Africa has been in a situation with leadership corruption over the last years. You know, we had this amazing beacon of light that was Nelson Mandela. Um, And subsequent to that, we've had a number of leaders that have just been corrupt and they've taken the country 
just in a different path. But the young people are super optimistic, mm. hopeful, and powerful. So I'm working with with with, a, with a, one of the biggest organizations in the country here. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a way for kids. I'm releasing a new book down there, which is going to activate this concept of creating a positive wave around the country. So we're going to get students all around the country sharing their graphics, sharing their positive sentiments, sharing their positive will, and spreading it out into the universe to create this positive wave. It's going to be a huge project. I'm going and visiting about 50 schools, uh, and we're just going to be doing a big mainstream and social media campaign around this to get kids to activate their will and inspire each other. And that's the goal, to have kids inspiring each other across South Africa and maybe across the world one day. <laughs> I, I thought surfers just like to go surfing. And I didn't realize <laughs> that surfers like to cause social change and like, you know, spur revolutions towards, you know, the reduction in corruption in government. That seems uh, unsurferly. <laughs> I... I you know, I think surfing is just one aspect of, of all of our lives. And, you know, for many of us, um, you know, surfing just, I think it's sort of a lens through which you can look at life sure, differently. Sure, sure, sure. It just helps you focus. It helps you connect to nature in such an amazing way. I mean, every time I go surfing and I walk down that beach, and I got my board under my arm. And you, do, you don't really know what's out there. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know whether you're going to get that great wave. You don't know whether, you know, like, am I going to see a dolphin? Am I going to see a shark? Am I going to have a bad experience? Some right. bloke's going to try to... All that. You, you just don't know. But you go anyway because okay, you're committed. Hmm. And there's a moment there where you walk with your board. And you're walking along the beach. And then you, you get into the water. And you make that little jump. It's like... And you're airborne for that split second. And you go from one universe to another and mm. I love that and then you mm. paddle out and the whole horizon opens up for you it's brilliant it's such a great feeling and there's such sort of optimism and expectation there and and that's for me what like surfing represents sure I love to go out there and get a great wave and you know ride it to the best of my ability but that just that moment of like optimism is sort of what keeps us going because we never know what we're going to get like okay I'm going to go to the golf course I'm going to crack a couple of rounds with my mates and I'll, I'll meet them there at three. Or I'm going to go and have a tennis session. Or, it's just different. The, well, in surfing, it seems like the court pushes back. You know, uh, like, full on. Right. The course, is, the course pushes back. There's very few other uh, uh, sports or activities where, where you, you are in a dance with the thing you're on, you know, on in that way. You know? Very much so. I mean, I was, <clears throat> I was in Cabo last weekend, and the surf was pumping 15-wave sets. Wow. And, I, I mean, I got hammered by this one wave and I got taken down. I mean, I was like 20 feet down. My ears oh were like this thing and I had to swim back up to the surface and I'm down there chilling going, man, what's happening here? I'm just getting absolutely thumped. And, and you know, you definitely go, whoa, this is, um, it's kind of serious stuff. And so that's it. You're never going to surf again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going back for more. Yeah, you are. <laughs> that, it, it feels like that feeling that transition from terrestrial to the aqua universe that sense of total awareness at that second and your intent is as crisp today at 61 as it was at nine very much so i mean i am when i go surfing and i take off on that wave it's like there's no age it's just you connecting with the ocean through your board it's just that wonderful sensation and i think that's why why surfers can get so, like, so obsessive about it because it's just so it's so 
like alluring and you just want that. You want that next wave. You want that next tube ride. And uh, it's very, um, for me, I mean, I get as much satisfaction now as I did when I was 10 or as much satisfaction now as I did when I was, uh, you know, the best guy in the world. It's it's, it's the same. And, and surfers were very lucky that way. You know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, they retire. They are not going to get that same mm-hmm, sensation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I heard Jordan can still dunk. I heard rumors. <laughs> yes, I just think that that connection that yeah. we have when you're the best and when you're kind of just older and kind of mediocre relative to, to the rest of the top guys, I think that that existential connection and that feeling of absolute satisfaction that, man, this is as good as it gets, stays. Don't you think that, that or I wonder, uh, that with five decades of, of being on that wave and you're still developing, so still investigating, still learning moments of how a wave behaves underneath you, it, th- that seems like something a 22-year-old does not have. That, 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 that what a gift to have five decades of, of waves. Yeah, we ha- I'm thinking, obviously, you know, you have, you have a lot more experience, but that, that sensation is, is the same huh. Uh, when I was nine, when I was in my twenties, and when I'm now I'm 61, that sensation is just so keen, and it's so vital, and it's unchanging, and it's so alluring that you know you want to go back for more, you want to paddle back out because surfing is not easy. You know, you drive down, you got to put the wetsuit on, it's cold, yeah. and you got to paddle it's out. It's, it's, it's long, got everything. It's a long paddle, and you know the wave you ride, it's brief. I mean, you're talking about, yeah, sure. you know, in a session you might get 10 waves. Each wave might be 15 seconds. So, you hmm. know, you're talking about in a three-hour session, you're talking about a relatively brief moments on the wave. And all your experience and learning is built around, you know, well, where do I sit? Where do I go? What board hmm. do I ride? And then I catch that wave. And you've got, you've got such a brief, a brief moment when you actually, you know, you, when, when you're actually riding. It's competitive. You know, there's other guys in the water and... So, I feel like you're trying to announce that you're going to make a run at the worlds this year. It, <laughs> kind of, it sounds like that's what <laughs> I'm yeah, that ain't gonna happen. No, <laughs> that ain't that ain't gonna happen. You know, the, the, the surfing, the 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 level of advancement is just incredible. The equipment yeah. advances right, every right, year. Sure, the ability sure. level advances sure. every year. It really is a profound. You know, when you look at a sprinter, yeah. I think when you compare. A world record time in 1968, right? And you compare, mm-hmm. a, you know, for 100 mm-hmm. meters, mm-hmm. and you compare Saint Bolt mm-hmm. today, like the level of improvement is about nine percent, I think, nine yeah. or ten percent. Yeah. But surfing, it seems there's like a, you know, a 20 percent improvement annually in, in just with material science. Yeah, with the materials and the and the and the new techniques and what the guys are doing, it's like. Now what if Duke, like what if Duke came back? Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm. I want to shift a little bit, and I'm really interested. We've had lots of athletes on the show who have gone on to do great things in business, and I'm really interested in what it is about sport that prepares us to be successful in business. And you know, it could be discipline, it's perseverance, it's the team, it's the, there's, there's a lot of things. And I'm actually um, inclined when I work with people to, kind of, I do a sort in my head, did you do a sport? 
early in life. And I kind of want to know, because that's going to tell me a lot about you. What's, in, what's occurring to me now, though, is the people who, who did sport and did it competitively, but are still able to do that sport, and that sport is still mm. interwoven into their life. It's still a big part. It didn't, it wasn't this thing I did, well, 40 years ago, and I'm still writing on that. You're not. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting that, that you say that. For me, sport wasn't an end game. Mm. I didn't surf to be the victor. Mm. You understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, sure. So, for me, the competitive aspect of surfing was incidental, not integral to the surf experience. Short added to my surfing experience and winning the world title and winning many, many, many events and becoming successful as a pro was never my primary purpose for surfing. So I think when I look at my career, sure, I can look at what made me successful as a competitor. Exactly what you said, perseverance, discipline, resilience, focus, commitment. But underlying everything, underlying it all, is stoke, is passion. Hmm. And I think that the people that are successful are the people that are passionate about what they do. They are as passionate about their business endeavors or their philanthropic endeavors as they are about the sport that put them on that road. I'm talking about sports stroke people that get into, into business. Because success in sport, I think, it's difficult. It is really, really, really hard to be successful at sport. That, that discipline and that dedication, it's, it's difficult. But if you've got the passion, mm-hmm. it makes it way less difficult. You know, when I, was, um, when I was competing and I was going for my first big big professional when I was 17 years old I was in the army in South Africa I had to do my Uh compulsory national service and I was just this young kid but I was like super stoked and and, and very 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 competitive and I managed to persuade the my commandant the commander of the unit where I was I I said you know this athletes and there's this big surfing competition coming up and I need to have a couple of weeks off to practice. <laughs> <laughs> so he went, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you leave. You okay. know, which were, in those days, it was like you were in the army and that was yeah, it. You, know, yeah. you, you weren't going to get out, especially for a surfing contest because <sighs> surfing didn't have the greatest right. the image. So a reporter came to interview me because I was sort of the youngest guy in the event before the event. And he said to me, <clears throat> tell me about like, wh- what do you have to do as practice? And I said, you know, I have never considered going surfing as practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so now the next day, the commandant, oh, uh, no. <laughs> commandant reads this. <laughs> and, and, I, and I get this, I get this phone, phone call, <laughs> Corporal Thompson. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> so I, had to, I had to explain, <laughs> explain my way out of it. But I think, I think for many athletes, the, the practice is like the best part. And for me, the practice in surfing was, was, was certainly, you know, the you, best part. <laughs> you, you, put a f- 
you said earlier and hadn't, hadn't considered, um, I don't surf, I've never surfed, but I've lived within a quarter mile of the beach my whole life. Um, There's still I, time. I, There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. Malcolm, I'm going to have to get you okay, out there. Man. I'm going to take you up on that. <laughs> But it hadn't hit me that there's so much work for 15 seconds. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the guy who like runs six. the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, the hundred right, meters. I thought right the I thought bull riding when he said that was was a good analogy yeah. in my mind because I'm how just much like, work? Eight seconds. You just tons of practice to just get the crap yeah. kicked out of you. And, and people have asked me. You know, why do you say passion, Mark? Why do you say you have to be passionate? Like, what, wh why is that important? And I, what I explain to them is that the amount of work you're going to have to put in to be good at that thing you want to be good at, to get that, to earn the right to have that 15 seconds in your life, there's going to be the fun stuff and there's going to be a whole bunch of the stuff that's not fun. And you, exactly. you got to you got to do them both. And if mm -hmm. you're passionate about it, you you take the good with the bad, and you go, okay, yeah. You don't even there's no judgment there. It's just it's the good and the bad. That's mm -hmm. what comes. But if you don't have the passion, it then it's just happen. like oh shit. Because the passion, I think the passion <clears throat> is the rocket fuel. Rocket fuel. You know, a couple of years ago, I went back to I went back to university. Can you believe this? Really? So I went back to do a master's, and and um, what? I did a master's in leadership. Huh. And I was fascinated by what happened in South Africa during the transition to democracy. Yeah. How Nelson Mandela was released from prison in 1990 in a mm -hmm. segregated society. And he managed to create and influence an entire population mm -hmm. not to take mm -hmm. up arms and kill each other like what had happened during other post-colonial transitions to democracy in the rest of Africa. It's just been like there has been very little success in Africa. And like, how did, he, how did he do this? How did he influence so many people, millions of people in such a positive way and bring everyone together towards a new, uh, a new path forward? So I wanted to study this, this like theory of leadership and, and motivation and, and how to influence people on a grand scale in, in, in a positive direction. So there's an interesting... Um, theory of motivation you know we all know that you know Maslow's old theory about the hierarchy of needs and how we are all uh, inspired by different needs to to, to ultimately sure. become self-actualized but there's this concept called intrinsic and in extrinsic motivation and as an athlete I knew it very well like the intrinsic motivations the internal passion and the the fire to do something and the love for it and the extrinsic is the basic victories which also is a powerful motivating factor. Yeah, sure. yeah, I want to win the contest, man. Sure. I want to be. I want to win Olympic gold medal. I want to go for it. And you know, you combine both of them to ultimately, you know, realize your mission, realize your objective. But without that intrinsic motivation, without that passion, it ain't going to happen. And without that passion, you are not going to be able to, I think, influence others. So. Passion doesn't only underlie athletic success. It underlies business success, but it also underlies leadership. At the core of leadership are two things. There's the passion, in my mind, and the purpose. You have to have this strong moral purpose about you know, what you're going to do. And that translates into an authentic influence 
of others. I think without that passion and purpose, you're not going to be able to influence people in an authentic way because people can see through the BS. Yeah, you bet. Through. Pretty the quick. Whole rah, Pretty quick. The whole rah, rah BS. I don't know. It seems like there's about 50% of the people in the country right now that <laughs> like that BS and <laughs> seem to be attracted to that BS. What what how how is that as when you talk about the vacuum of leadership inside of in countries especially like like South Africa, what's your diagnosis or prescription for 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 that getting better? What, how what if you if you had the ability? I know I know you're you're planning this this large rollout of, of of influencing a younger generation, but like what what else could get out of the way? Is there are there are there other things that you know you would immediately go in and 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 kind of manifest change with? You know. Uh, when I talk to companies, I'm, I'm very clear. I say, I'm giving you a perspective. I'm not giving you a prescription. Hmm. People have to find their own way forward. And I'm not going back to my homeland and giving my homeland a prescription. Mm-hmm. I just want to go back, give my perspective, and I want to be able to activate yeah. the passion of youth to solve these problems. Yeah. I just want to give them a tool to be able to 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 solve their problems and collect all that collect all that that goodwill in one place. So we're working with a super cool new new site here. It's a really cool new site called indie.com. I don't know if you've heard of it. indi.com. They're great people. And we're going to activate all this goodwill in this one area and then get kids to activate and send it out through their social platforms. With what it. is it? Twitter indie? Yeah, indi.com. Super cool site. It's interesting. We Brand just new. had really uh, cool, cool. a very recent episode with indieu.com, which is a whole independent music thing, oh. which is about activating independent music artists and giving them a platform, yeah. and it's just spectacular. I, you say, so I like this quote, I'm giving you a perspective, not a prescription. Mm. I have to feel that that's an evolved thing for you did you used to give people prescription uh, or you, you never did? I never gave prescription. I've seen <clears throat> when you stand up on stage and say, I am going to solve the problems of this country. Yeah, yeah. I'm this big man. Many people are, are, are really turned off about this mm. because they, they feel that they are the masters of their destiny and they're not going to be pushed around by some big, big strong man. And for me, I, I think this philosophy just evolved from surfing. You know, surfing just teaches say, is you that humility. <laughs> oh. It mm. teaches you to be humble. You know, you can be the big top surfer. You and, were. Yeah, and you <laughs> go out there and you can swing around on that wave and you will get a caning. Huh. I mean, that wave will cane you. Yeah. And take you down and drag you across the coral and get you the wave for 15 seconds. Yeah. It doesn't care about your resume. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the wave is they don't the wave doesn't care about your yeah. prescription let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, but a, like a country doesn't care about your prescription. Yeah. A, a movement of young people that have been held down for too long don't care about your prescription. So I think I think the um for me what I just want to try to do is just, is help these kids just activate their own internal passion and power and their own internal will. That's why this concept for me of life coach kids I will what? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I will what? And they write it down and they 
connect with each other, and then they just spread this positive force out into the universe. I mean, it sounds kind of uh, super ethereal, kumbaya, but I've seen it work. Well, see, that's, it's the, that, that's you know, I'm going to, my TED is going to show for a second, because one of the things is like, you know, what is the idea worth spreading? Your idea worth spreading is life code, and what are you going to do? And it's, you know, y yes, have, have people talked about this? Yeah, of course they are. If we, you know, go on TED.com and Google, you know, motivation and oh, all yeah. of that, you're going to be it's eight, not, 800 it, talks. It but it, it, is, it is the life lens that you bring to it. That's the difference. And I think the other piece, a couple other pieces that, that have stood out for me. One, uh, you've studied leadership. You don't just say, I'm a leader. No, I'm going to go study other leaders. Leader, for me, I'm just, I'm going to see if this is correct or not. For you to be effective in your mission, back to passion and purpose, which I equate as mission, your mission, I want to activate these kids. I want to make, I want to make a difference. I've got to, I want to influence on a massive scale. So I, you go and say, well, who else did that? Because success leaves clues. Mandela did it. What did he do? Now, I'm not just going to, you're going to go study it. In fact, you became a master in that, right? Like mm -hmm. you have in other things you've done in your life, because what you're really here on the planet to do is go make a difference with these kids. And what's interesting is how that was revealed to you in that one chance at the Rincon when someone said, you need to make a difference with these kids because totally. it was kids. And you're like, what am I going to do? What I? And I, I could imagine you sitting there, you had a blank piece of paper. It's like, well, what am I going to do? Yeah, well, I mean, I could have, like, I you was gonna first, anything. I was going to get product and, and we, you know, well, we had our brand solitude. We're giving some t-shirts. Exactly. Right. Give so them swag. That's That'll swag. change their life. It was totally, that's, that's <laughs> initially, my initial thing was, that's when I'm going to get them some, like, get them some super cool. Oh, yeah, they wear my t-shirts. <laughs> but, but instead... The, something told you that wasn't right. And, yeah. and that could have been that higher calling, right, that was do this. And what's happened then is that surfing led to over years of developing this code, right, your life's lessons that you were able to fit on a card, which then over time turned into a way to teach, which is great business. I'm sure you get compensated yes, without nicely a doubt. for that. So uh -huh. that's, that's a great business. But it's also a business that's got a mission attached to it. But what that has led you to is back to kids. Yeah. So it's just really interesting. That, that is. It's, it's kind of like it comes, comes. It comes in a sort of a. It comes in a circle, but but I'll tell you this too. This concept of of inspiration, so. I was surfing at Rincon, again at Rincon, mm. and I met this chap in the water, Gordon Sichi. Now, Gordon Sichi is a headmaster. He's the principal at Anacapa School. Huh. Mm. So, An alternative learning school here in town. Yeah, right? super yeah. cool school. It's like 80 oh, it's great. students. He's a brilliant, yeah, yeah. brilliant bloke. Great guy. So we were chatting, and uh, he invited me to come and talk at the school. So this was shortly after I had released Surface Code, my first book. So when I was chatting to the students, I had a brainwave. <laughs> it's supposed to be funny. But while, I, while, while I'm chatting to the students, I said, why don't you write your own code? Oh, that's when it hits you. I was going to ask that. When I was that. standing in front of the students at Gordon's class, yeah. I said, write your own code. 80 kids. Yeah. Send me your codes, okay? So 80 students... 
sent me like a thousand lines of code. Oh okay? my gosh. They all sent them to me. And a couple of days later, I spoke at UCSB at Gordon Sweeney's, uh, he's a professor of uh, geography there. And I, sp- and I spoke to their students and I got them you to send me You said, let's do this? Uh, exactly. After I, because I've got the kids at Anna Kappa doing it. I thought, well, I'll get the UCSB sure, kids sure. doing it as well. So now the first code I got back, first line from a girl called So this is Elena, the first line of someone not you. Elena Alcero. And you remember her name. Elena Alcero. I will be myself. Oh, wow. I went, this is insane. I'm writing another book. Wow. And I wrote a book for teens called The Code. And every line is inspired by a, a line that kids oh said. Okay, 12, line, uh, 12 yeah. chapters, 12 lines. And it became number one on Amazon in the no teen kidding. section. How about that? Because it was about... It was, it was very about, authentic, right? Oh, totally. It all came ah, from the kids. Yeah. So it's amazing, like the back and forth. So I gave the kids a card. The kids gave this back to me. And, and that's what it is with inspiration. It's like a back and forth right. thing. It's a conversation. Yeah, totally. It's a, Exactly. It's a conversation. So that's why I'm so excited about running this concept out in, in, in South Africa. And I'm doing, I'm doing something at UCSB in uh, early November with John Greathouse. Do you know sure, John? Sure, we know John. He's a good bloke. Yeah, yeah. So we're doing something with his class as well to get these kids – these students uh, inspiring each other. And every kid in his class is going to have to write their code. And during class, some of them are going to have to stand up and they're going to have to represent and they're going to have to... Now, that's a big part for you, isn't it? It's it's something about having the... Well, I call it balls on the table, but it's yeah. stand up and represent. You stand up and you state your purpose proudly with courage and honor, with conviction, with passion and purpose. <clears throat> and when people do that, it's like, uh, you, when you see it, you just see this outpouring of positive will. It's incredible. We do that in a little different, we do speaker training. As you know, you're yeah. one of our speakers. And you know we've done almost over 120 talks Jeez, since we worked with you. That and Kimberly, that's all she does full time now. She trains people yeah, all over the world. Awesome. Huh? We did a workshop a couple of weeks ago, and she has a thing called One True Sentence. It's how do we take that story and bake it. You, you get it from code, from lines of code. We get it from that pivotal story in your life, and you get it down from five minutes to three minutes to two minutes to one minute to a sentence. Yeah, you distill it you, to the essence. Yeah. Exactly, your one true sentence. And then you stand I in like front that. and represent yeah. that sentence. But it does get to that very authentic core you're like it's it every you can't help but be moved when people say something they've never said before. Yeah, it's brilliant, right? And so being in that room and being the catalyst for that to happen—it's awesome. What a great job you have! It's awesome. I love, I love, I love seeing th- these uh, men and women when they stand up, and, and it's like they stand up like uh, men. They like. Kings and queens, they just mm. stand up. It's just the power. They're they're fully in themselves in fully that minute, aren't they? Power. It's just, and you know, you can see people stand up. Some people are shy, but they still. Mm. It's power. Do you coach them no. on how to do that? Nothing. I don't. That's that's why. I'm, <clears throat> you know, when you talk about coaching, 
So uh, a few months ago, I see a little video of this young surfer surfing, and I'm going, wow, this, mm. this kid's really talented. And I look through his results, and I see he can't get arrested on the professional tour. You know, he's just doing terribly. Just, and I'm going, like, why? And I, 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 and I look at his surfing. So I email the, the young bloke, and I say, I love your surfing. You're obviously going, going wrong. I'd love to give you a bit of help if you, if, if you would like it. You know? There's that email you want from Sean Thompson. And uh, <clears throat> he is a very, very re- receptive guy. And I said, it's going to be really simple. And, and this is what has worked for me. Might not work for you, but this is what's worked for me. Step one, you write your code and send it to me. Okay? Step one. He writes his code. He sends it to me. It was awesome. And then I gave him three different pointers that, that I have seen work for, for many, and I've helped many, many young, young blokes through their careers. So he's like in the like laboring, bombing out in, in the 25th mm. area. Mm. First event eh, comes third. Oh, well, the biggest event uh, in the world. First event after he has a had this mind shift. Event comes third and emails me back oh Sean I'm so stoked then he does badly in the next event next event he comes second Uh so I'm going wow this is so cool to see this young guy all I've done is like given him a tiny little spark and then he's just yeah made the change happen and over the years I've realized that change is going to happen one way when you make it yeah, yeah. It ain't gonna. Ha- you can see a million. Dif- you can go to a million different conferences, and you can be involved in a million different team building. Yeah, it's gonna happen when you make it happen. First step, I will. Simple. So my tool, I know it's simple, it's free, and it works great. Sean, thank you for sharing all that with us. <laughs> that was, I mean, that time just went, that wave came and went. And <laughs> I, it was, it was, I was glad I was on it with you, brother. Uh, that is a lot of fun. Mark. Thank oh, you. Thanks my for God. having thank me. Thank you and, for, and, wh- yeah. where can uh, people want to follow up with you? Where do you've got, you have a website? Yeah, they Sean? can just go to seanthompson.com. So okay. it's spelled S-H-A-U-N-T-O-M-S-O-N.com. There's no H or P, but you, you know, you look, you can just, Google easy. Sean Thompson Surfer, and then on my website you can directly uh, email me. But uh, I must say, you know, my life ha- has just went in a completely different path when I, when my wife and I lost our, our beautiful yeah. boy, and and but my life has um, has a lot of meaning and purpose. I am going to put a link to that TEDx American Riviera talk, and you talk at length about that, mm-hmm. and I remember. Being so moved when you told me that story, I think people will uh, enjoy listening yeah, to hard, that. It's a hard story, but, but, yeah, but was, also how yeah, we... But you well told. How we came to our beautiful new boy, Luke. And, yeah. You know, so it, it, it yeah. Has, um, has a good ending. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a joy to have you as a friend and, and to have you here well, Thanks for having me, man. It's been oh, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome been chatting. I've never spoken about this uh, <laughs> to well, anyone before. Well... Other than my wife. That's ex- that's <laughs> what we do here, isn't it, Patrick? We that's all we do here. That's we we try to find the story that hasn't been told yet. I mean, that's again the TED ethos for me is you know tell a story you haven't told, 
be vulnerable and don't try to sell me something. And, <laughs> and, and in that regard, we have a, a really honest conversation and, and we get to find out how people are making a difference. Thank you so really much. Cool. Thanks for having me. I also want to thank California Lutheran University School of Management and Tolman and Weicker Insurance Services and our podcasting partner, Pull String Press, this great place to have, have these amazing conversations. If you're interested in partnering with our podcast, send us a note partner at 805connect.com. Patrick, um, how could our listener help us right now? Well, of course, rate, write, review, uh, give us some stars, uh, get subscribed if you're not subscribed. Go back through the back catalog. There's a lot more conversations just like this one, uh, hiding out uh, like little little wonderful gems. And, and here's the, the exciting part. They're not that hard to find. Just scroll down <laughs> through the list of, of uh, titles of episodes. Uh, and if I'm, I'm, my suggestions for titles of episodes I wrote two down was writing your life code uh, would be a good title for this episode. Or... Um, passion is rocket fuel, which I liked when Sean said that. Do you like either one of those as a title? <laughs> yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I like writing uh, your life code. Thank you for that, Patrick. Uh, that is uh, awesome. fantastic. So um, I'd l- I would love to hear from you, dear listener. Send me a note if you, uh, someone inspires you, you've read a book, you, you saw someone talk, you had a great coffee with someone. I would love to have a conversation with that person. So if you got an idea for a guest for an upcoming show, drop me a line, mark at 805connect.com. And until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations. <laughs>